Good morning, New Haven. You're listening to the Tom Ficklin Show on WNHHLP 103.5 FM. Good morning, everybody. And Harry, thanks. Good morning to you. And thanks for that intro. We're going to be joined uh, shortly by Gwen Samuel. Uh, Gwen is an educational activist, um, and I've known her for almost a decade now. And part of the theme of my show is uh, social innovation, social justice, creativity, and also just how does one pursue their passion. Um, Gwen has done a lot and is doing a lot and will do a lot when it comes to educational. People use this word educational reform. But I, I like to suggest that she's been on the, the cutting edge of really defining what education is. The, uh, the assumption is that we've, we've had education thus far and I would say it's been more miseducation than education. Gwen's been on the, the, the front lines, literally and figuratively, in creating uh, the atmosphere, creating the possibility, creating the action, the, the actual action steps, laying out some groundworks for how we can, for once and for all and forevermore, have education. So she'll be with us shortly. Um, Gwen has... Um, uh, uh, she has several organizations she's been involved with. She's participated in national educational summits. Some of you might recall NBC had a series um, on the educational crisis. She participated in that. She has spoken at the Yale School of Management in terms of their educational uh, conference every year as a panelist. She also is working on a book. She's also spoken, uh, has been a guest speaker throughout the United States, actually, on education, particularly in terms of, of not only ch- representing children, but the key component of parents, we, we use this term parents, not really knowing or I think really understanding that it's a word, but there are people that have a variety of titles or roles, tasks, and responsibilities in addition to being a parent. So how can a parent, in addition to those various uh, uh, roles that a, that a person who is your father or mother have, how can that parent force be powerful given the limitations sometimes of people's economic circumstances and, and family circumstances. Uh, as I say, so Gwen will be, a, be, be with us shortly. I've just started, and Harry's going to play a brief clip from uh, Mumia Abu-Jamal. Um, I, he's, I like to refer to him as the long-distance revolutionary, and in fact, there's a documentary on Mumia titled The uh, Long-Distance Revolutionary. Uh, go to prisonradio.org, prisonradio.org, for, uh, to hear from Mumia. We're going to hear from him now. I'm going to introduce almost every week, at least one clip from him. It's a news commentary. Some of you may have listened to the news yesterday. You might have picked up the newspaper today or read the newspaper online. Um, And I'm suggesting that you have someone that's in prison, sentenced to a life sentence, Mumia Mumia Abu-Jamal, M-U-M-I-A-A-B-U-J-A-M-A-L. Check him out, Google him. But his voice is still, in my mind, quite pertinent to anything else you may be reading or be being influenced by. So Harry, let's go to the the first clip from again. This is from prisonradio.org. Mubia. My name is Spoon Jackson and I'm at New Folsom Prison. And the title of the poem I'm reading is Go On. I cannot go on like this, but I will go on. On and on, even when on is off. Something is stirring inside my soul, wanting to burst out like a hot spring in the desert. Wanting to come out, and I don't know what it is. In the moment, I hope it's a poem or a song. Something vast like Euripides. Something wise and funny like Aristophanes. Something deep like Langston Hughes. So deep in the seas where no light goes. I know what it is. 
I want to create my way off this lockdown and write my way out of prison. They allowed redemption once, now only condemnation. I cannot go on, but I will go on, on and on, even when on is off. Melancholic and sad, they are letting some lifers go home, some I have known for a lifetime, and that is a good thing, yet there is no end in sight for me. I don't know anymore where to go to get strength to go on. I don't know where to go to leave this sadness and pain and make my heart sing again and make my spirit soar again. Everywhere I look, there's a big sign that says no, no forgiveness, no love, no hope, no second chance, no dreams, no romance. I cannot go on, but I will go on, on and on, even when on becomes off. But I have nowhere to go, nowhere that says yes. Yes, it's okay to dream, for some come true. Yes, it's okay to hope, for freedom is free. Yes, it's okay to love, for love can be true. Great. Uh, <clears throat> again, that was <clears throat> not necessarily, that was not Mumia. However, the, the, the beauty of prison radio is that uh, Mumia has extended his franchise, if you will. He has allowed and expanded his repertoire of, of programming to include other folks that are, that are incarcerated. Uh, Mumia also has been suffering some, some, uh, some illnesses, so that might account for perhaps why this was a substitutional um, segment from him. But again, as we think of people perhaps at Niantic or Cheshire or wherever else here or the Whaley Avenue Jail, um, and when we think of um, white collar, even the words white collar crime versus regular crime, where does that word come from, white collar crime? Um, does it mean lesser sentence? Does it mean discriminatory practices? Does it mean preference? So the, the returning citizen population is a key one, and part of the focus of the Tom Ficklin Show will be reaching out this year in particular to all of our citizens, wherever you might be and whatever walls might be re- restricting your, uh, uh, your, your movements, but not necessarily restricting your mind. Uh, Harry, let's go to another, another clip as well. And again, we're waiting and we will be joined by Gwen Samuel. Uh, I will call her an, an educational uh, designer, quite frankly. Uh, but we'll be, be joined by Gwen shortly. But I want to go to another clip uh, from Prison Radio. On death row with no death sentence. For several years now, well over a decade, the Pennsylvania Department of Corrections kept dozens of men on death row even though they didn't have a pending death sentence. These men, held at the state's death rows in Greene County and Greaterford, were people who had their death sentences overturned by a state or federal court and held in solitary confinement for months and years until two men filed suits against this long-standing DOC practice. Craig Williams of Green and Sean T. Walker of Greaterford filed separate civil actions in federal court challenging this procedure, but both men initially lost. Both men began their actions by filing their suits pro se or without a lawyer, and both filed appeals before the third U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals, where both men prevailed. The federal appeals court ruled in a February 9, 2007 opinion that the continued detention of men in solitary confinement who had no pending death sentences was violative of a state-created liberty interest under the 14th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. Williams spent six years on death row without a death sentence. Walker spent eight years on death row without a death sentence. In Williams versus Secretary, DOC, 
The Third Circuit found this confinement unconstitutional, but also granted the DOC the defense that, until now, this right wasn't clearly established. The Williams decision, being the first of its kind, put the DOC on notice that such a practice was now per se unconstitutional and a violation of a prisoner's state-created liberty interest. Williams proved a talented jailhouse lawyer when he was on the road. He's been off death row since 2012, and he's still one hell of a jailhouse lawyer, still making new law. From Imprison Nation, this is Mumia Abu Jamal. These commentaries are recorded by Noel Hanrahan of Prison Radio. And again, that was uh, Mumia's voice, and uh, I was just chatting with Harry, and he had uh, station manager Harry Draws, and he had mentioned that he had heard the heard the the word um, and the name Mumia Abu Jamal. This is a thirty, forty, fifty year, th- almost a forty year struggle for liberation for this particular individual. But uh, as we kind of talk about Women's History Month and just concluded with Black History Month, which I've actually called, um, oh, Afrogenesis Month, Black to the Future Month, whatever word one wants, one one wants to. Uh, incorporate into their mentality in terms of how they're looking and de- defining the future. Uh, we have now we're, we're involved with with Women's History Month, um, uh, which is a, a lovely thing. Um, Harry, let's hear one more one more clip, and I'm pr- pretty sure that um, Gwen Samuels will be with us by that time. Al Jarreau, 1940, 2017. Al Jarreau was a musical genius. He was a jazz artist, a soul singer and a pop sensation who thrilled audiences with his mastery of song. Born in Milwaukee, Wisconsin on March the 12th, 1940, he was the son of a vicar and earned a master's degree in psychology from the University of Iowa. But what the world lost in psychology, it more than gained in the world of music. In his career, he earned seven Grammys and had five top ten hits, among them We're in this love together, which hit the Billboard charts and rose to number six in July 1981. We're in this love together, kind of love that lasts forever. It remained a hit for 19 weeks. He sang the theme song for the TV show Moonlighting, starring Bruce Willis and Sybil Shepard. And his 1988 effort shot to number two on the charts called So Good. Giroux had a sweet tenor, and his love of singing and music was infectious. Al Giroux now sings with the ancestors. From Imprison Nation, this is Mumia Abu Jamal. These commentaries are recorded by Noel Hanrahan of prison radio so it, again welcome listeners and i and i guess mentioned that harry by the way are we going uh during facebook live harry we're not on facebook live well let's start let's let's can, can we crank it up all right <laughs> yeah we're going to crank up crank up facebook live and we'll be joined in about 30 seconds by by gwen samuel and i'm mentioning that uh gwen is is a, I, I just use the term as an educational designer and in fact that we, we, we may have had, have had something called education before, but it's really been more mis, miseducation. So when I think of 
Gwen, I think of someone that's really been a pioneer for really defining for us for, for once and hopefully for all and forever, what is education? What, I mean, what, what, we, what, what, what we've had before it cannot really even pretend to kind of uh, live up to that term. I mentioned also, and Gwen will be, be with us again in about 10, 10 seconds, uh, that in terms of her activity with the Educational Summit, she's been on national programs. Uh, NBC had a national summit. Her, her bookmobile, I mean, that's kind of a reduced term, but she's taken a book, uh, a bus through Connecticut and really kind of exemplified that education is not confined to a schoolroom or a classroom, and it's 24-7, 365. She, in fact, working on a book, she's working on a book. She's also uh, has participated in a panel discussions several times, I believe, at the School of, Morning, of Management at Yale in terms of their educational summit, um, has spoken throughout the United States, and in terms of parents, she's really breathe new life in terms of what the the role and the definition of a parent is in spite of whatever a person if you're a father or mother you still have other responsibilities but true but truly how can you as a parent exercise that that latent power that really the world gives you if you're a parent there's power gets inherent in that term legally morally spiritually etc so uh gwen's just just come in and so gwen we we i'm glad you glad you made it and uh, you're looking good as always. I, I, can I say that on, on the radio? Uh, well, now sure we're face, not Facebook Live. You're going to take it. You're sweet 16. Amen. Happy birthday to you. And, and let, let, let's go for it. Welcome again. It's always good to see you. Thank you so much for having me, Tom. It's been a full morning, <laughs> yes. but I'm here and I'm ready to roll. There you go. There you go. And you've been rolling for, as I say, uh, uh, I'm not going to say how long, but <laughs> every day is, is, is a full kind of experience for you. What, what would you like to talk about today? Well, today I want to talk about Article 8. Mm, Article a, 8. Article 8. And that's a new term, which is not new to me. So the question was posed to me when I would uh, love to give you an opportunity to do a radio show mm. um, on accesstv.org. And so he, so the person was mentioning, uh, Stan McCauley was his mm-hmm, name. Mm-hmm. So Stan was like, okay, um, I know you understand the Constitution, you know, the Constitution. So let's talk about Article 8. And I was stumped. Mm. So I had to use my Google. That's why I put it on my Facebook. Mm -hmm. What is Article 8? And Article 8 is in Connecticut's Constitution Mm. on Education. Mm. So I'm like, okay, so what does the Constitution give us as parents? What does the Constitution, so it's not about feelings, right? Mm -hmm. It's not about emotions. It's what does the Constitution of Connecticut give students? Every child in the state of Connecticut has the right to access a free public education. Mm. Mm. In 2010, the Supreme Court even defined that even more. They said we must provide the type of free public education that can ensure that every child can be a productive citizen to either get gainfully employed or to go to higher education. Mm-hmm. Because every child, let us be real, will not be going to college. Yes, yes. Right. So when I look at that, right, we have this free education that's supposed to prepare youth. But yet we have schools still struggling to teach the core subjects, Mm. reading and math. And yes, as a parent, we have a role to play into ensuring that we create a stable home, that we provide as much support we can Mm. within our different educational levels to ensure our children attend school. Now, it's not because we necessarily want to. Uh, even though it's the best thing mm-hmm, for them, mm-hmm. but compulsory laws say we must send them. But it doesn't tell us that we must send our kids in unsafe conditions. Mm, mm, the mm, law doesn't mm. say this free public education allows you to restrain children as young as preschool. Mm. And the reason why I'm talking about restraint and seclusion is in 2000, um, 
Uh, last month, the Office of the Child Advocate just issued a report on mandating reporting, and it talked about the number of children that have been abused in public schools. They use Harford as the random no, wait, sampling. Say, I'll say, say, say that again. You're okay, excuse me. Okay. Children have been abused. <laughs> uh, we're talking, yes, in the same, in public schools. Mm-hmm. Now, we're not just talking mentally abused where I'm going to mm-hmm. call you stupid, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say emotionally excuse, uh, abused where, even though that includes, we're talking every form of abuse from mm. sexual abuse, from mental abuse, from emotional abuse and physical abuse. Mm. And this is at the hands of those that are public servants. Mm-hmm. That means public servants of Connecticut made an oath in the education industry, right? That I will give you the best that I have. I will get the proper certifications. I will comply with hiring um, requirements. There will be background checks. In other words, parents send us your babies and we will do our very best by them. That is not happening in the mm. state of Connecticut. Mm. And we are sending babies as young as three birth, actually, because we're looking at our birth to three program. So we're putting our babies into public institutions um, not too far after they come out of the womb. And we're not ensuring that we are keeping them safe. And this report came out again. I'm, if February 9th, I, February 9th, 2017. So this is and it's, two, public, it's publicly available. It's publicly available because it was launched. And then here was what. What makes this such a tragedy? Mm. And it's very important that every single parent that is listening, whether you are a lawmaker, whether you are someone that's a secretary or administrator, whatever your role is in the system, this same report was done in 2010, Mm. an extensive report between the Attorney General and the Office of Children Advocate. And if you read the report of 2017, it says that the same findings of abuse, the level, the intensity of abuse that was happening in 2016 and 15 was as early as 2010. So the question becomes, what were decision makers doing? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and most importantly, mm-hmm. parents, what are we mm-hmm, doing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. when we see something that when they're telling us, so when someone's telling you that they're abusing your children yes. from a state institution, First and first, first and foremost, parents, I suggest we believe them mm-hmm, mm-hmm, because at mm-hmm. the end of the day, it's not parents in the classroom. It's not lawmakers mm. in the classroom. It's not the adults that are working at the local store working. It's the children. And I firmly believe that the um, the issues that we are having in our communities where where youth are looking um, self-medication um, going to gangs, going to all these other institutions, mm-hmm. looking for love and support because we as the adults have failed. And until we own that, it will continue to happen. And not to put you on the spot because again, mm-hmm. the report just came yes. out from an accountability standpoint. It was just a recommendations. Are there enforcement things recommended? Who's in charge of it? How do we influence or how do we stop this? Or what's what? what are there any penalties involved? Just what have you gathered? See, that's so the interesting part. Mm-hmm. When you start to research this, there was an incident uh, several years ago where there was sexual misconduct between a teacher and a student in Stanford. Mm-hmm. So let's focus on Stanford mm-hmm. because that happened. And people from what I understood, people in the school knew about it. educators and everyone knew this inappropriate relationship was happening as far as the administration. Mm. And because nothing happened, 
state legislators on the Judiciary Committee, mm-hmm. Rep- Representative Tong out of um, Rep- um, Stanford, and many other lawmakers, many Gonzalez of, of Hartford, they came and they stiffened the penalties mm. for mandating reporting. Now, mandating reporting laws, if you are a public servant and anyone that interacts with the public around education, convalescent homes, if you see abuse and neglect, you must report it to the Department mm. of Children and Families mm. and the appropriate services. Excuse me. So here we have a system that tells us we must protect children mm-hmm. and you must do something. Silence is not an option. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Denial is not an option. Yet has been an option for decades. And so what we can do. So currently there's a House bill. Okay. House bill 7111. It should be House bill 911. Okay. <laughs> so what is House bill 7111. And they are talking about. <clears throat> excuse me. Um. I mean, running seclusion and restraints. And what does a timeout look like? It's so interesting that when I was watching the February 28th Commission on Children Mm -hmm. meeting, Mm -hmm. they were talking about seclusion and restraint. Sarah Egan is the author of the most recent Office of the Child Advocate Report. Mm. And she mentions uh, one lawmaker says, but I thought timeouts were peaceful. You know, putting out. Mm. I said, not in the black and brown community. There's Mm. nothing peaceful about what's happening to these children. Mm -hmm. And what makes the report more troubling is the fact that they state that the majority of these um, non-mandated incidents that occurred are majority kids of color Mm. and Mm. male. Mm. Mm. So disproportionately are the way Connecticut is a small state. We are not the majority. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. we must own our history of discrimination. We must own our history of of not treating people fairly based on race, based on class. And until we own that, then it's it, it's not unlikely that this is disproportionate targeting of black and brown children and children of low income. Now am I saying that Um, This is just happening in the black and brown community. No, because the Office of Children's Advocates report in 2010 did a statewide investigation. Hmm. And so we as a community must step up to this. This is something we cannot be silent. What are you if you want to take a take a sip? What are you recommending to someone that might be listening now? If you're should they call our Anyone from the New Haven delegation or should they call their state rep or state senator or should they speak to ask even their principal? Is this a report available to say principals throughout the, throughout this Connecticut? Is through, absolutely. This is um, a report is online. They've been having, um, it's interesting because the only lawmaker that would address this for this recent report mm-hmm. that I saw publicly, I will say that spoke to the community, not spoke to each other, because that's part of the problem. Mm -hmm. We speak to each other about the um, lawmakers speak to each other, but you need to speak to the people. The only one that spoke about this was State Representative Minnie Gonzalez. Out of Hartford. Out of Hartford. On February 3rd, she held a a community, a parent forum, if you will, to discuss the report. And the report is so troubling. And the reason why it's troubling, because this is not a new Mm -hmm. You mentioned 2010. 2010. So the question becomes, 
what were the interventions of 2010? Mm -hmm. And then if you fast forward, we have the whole screen room issue. I don't know if people remember that article about screen rooms where there were children that were being placed in rooms with no furniture. They were going to the bathroom on their self. They were getting no adult supervision. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just trying to connect this with the world of brain development, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. cognitive development, all these RBA, Connecticut is results-based accountability state that looks at data and best practices to ensure children are safe. And again, the, the was it, you said it was a House bill or a Senate bill? Oh, this is a House bill. So House Bill 7111 is the bill that is before legislatures to talk about seclusion and restraints. And it's important to know that states across the country are moving away from restraints. Mm -hmm. And they're Mm -hmm. talking about, let's look at the research that we have about child development, about positive behaviors, intervention supports, Mm -hmm. right? And and then making sure that the schools and the staff that must deal with um, emotionally developed, um, that are struggling with emotional um, development or physical development Mm -hmm. um, or some form of uh, different uh, Disabilities, and I would call them different abilities. Mm -hmm, I don't mm want to say disabilities, Mm -hmm. right? With different abilities, that you have the appropriate staff. So some of the laws are saying, okay, we're going to train staff. We're going to, but what does training look like? How do what does training? Is that a what a three hour training? And then who wants to see that we're restraining kids as young as three and four? Again, you're listening to the Tom Ficklin show, and Gwen Samuel is with us, and. It's. I don't want to even begin to define you other than the person of, of passion, commitment, and outcomes and results, which particularly in the educational arena, but your your focus has been really so holistic. It's it's everything that affects us on the planet is is perceived to be, can be educational, should be educational. In terms of this report in particular, it's available how again? It's available online. So the Office of the Child Advocate is a state agency. Mm-hmm. So it's housed, if I'm correct, under the state attorney's office. It's online, and I'll be more than happy to post it on your uh, mm-hmm, website, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm, uh, Tom, great. and then as well as on Facebook and Twitter as well. P- perfect, perfect. Now, is it going before the, or has it gone before the Educational Committee is, in terms of, the, is there, has there been a public hearing per se? So I know there was a public hearing on February 28th. It was the Commission on Children. Okay. And I was going to go look back at the bill to see okay. what is happening. Yes. Because there are some serious questions. For I'll give you another example mm. real quick. Please. One of the representatives we have time. asked the question, <laughs> are birth to three, so think of birth, mm-hmm. a newborn baby, and think of three years old. That means they've been in the world 365 days mm. time three, mm. right? So a child not even a thousand days old plus. <laughs> I want to put that in context. And they asked the question, are providers and therapists mandating reporters? Mm. We should be red flagged all day. The fact that a lawmaker has to ask are the individuals who are engaging because parents are mm-hmm. entrusting their children and that are they mandated reporting? That shouldn't even have been a question. If you have other people's children, mm. I can't tell you what to do mm. with your child mm. because mm. we have the department of children and families. Mm-hmm. But when you are a public institution, when you are charged with the safety overall well-being and education of other people's children, it is a non-negotiable If you see abuse and neglect, you must report it on your peers, on yourself, parent, the child, the man across the street, the man who mows the lawn. Mm -hmm, Anyone mm -hmm. who interacts Mm -hmm. with a child must be held to this high standard. And I hear you saying also that obviously 
well, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but before 2010, this was taking place. I mean, absolutely. So. It was the result of a report, the federal government looking into the incident. And I actually pulled some quotes so that we know the context of this. Okay. Sure. Right. So when, so from, this is from a former Pennsylvania deputy secretary for mental health and substance abuse. His name was Charlie's Curry. He says seclusion and restraint are not treatment. They reflect treatment failure mm. Mm. from the United States department of education Reso- restraint and seclusion resource document 2012. As many reports have documented the use of restraint and seclusion can in some cases have very serious consequences, including most tragically death mm. 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 from again, United States department of education. There is no evidence that using restraint or seclusion is effective in reducing the occurrence of the problem behaviors that frequently precipitate the use of such techniques. Mm -hmm. So here we have Mm -hmm. educators and experts and professionals in mental health. So it's not no disrespect to reading teachers or English teachers, but it's not someone that just works with core subjects. Mm -hmm. These are those that are experts. And I'll put that in quotes Mm -hmm. right in the field of mental health, mental behavior, all of those things. So if you're talking about as something as serious as they're saying, you can't reduce the airways. But yet they're saying when you put a child prone on their face Mm -hmm. and you Mm -hmm. put your foot in their back, mm-hmm. it impacts breathing. But that is a, mm-hmm. an approved mm-hmm. technique. Mm-hmm. And I'm just trying for the life of me because I don't know any parent that could see a child doing that in the streets or an adult do that mm-hmm. and not intervene. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. to me, it looks like assault. But again, I, again, I just believe this should be this. We sh- uh, Massachusetts has moved away from it. Many states have moved away from it. And so Connecticut needs to do a heart examination yes, and it needs to check its heart Mm. to see how do they value children if they value children and how far are they willing to go to ensure that we value children. And I I believe I hear you saying, but again, I don't want to, we, we, we've gazed into one another, one another's eyes before, (laughs) so I don't want to read your mind and I don't want to pretend that even I could read all that, that genius that is there. But if a, someone is listening now that has a friend or, or son or daughter or someone has a, someone that has a school relationship, they might want to find out from their particular school what the if, if there's any evidence of this or, or record keeping. I, Absolutely. And find out what is your school's restraint and yes, uh, seclusion policy. Policy. Poli- their policy. Because it's interesting. One of the parents that I'm working with in Hartford, her child was seven, is seven. So this mm-hmm. was in 2017. The child came home with extreme bruises. Mm. And this is an African-American child. So Mm -hmm. for you to really see black and blue pronounced, that means there was body trauma Mm -hmm. of such a degree. And she said, you can even see the thumbprints Mm. of that's how much. Mm. But if they filed a DCF report, now here are parents filing DCF reports, Mm -hmm. Department Mm -hmm. of Children Mm -hmm. and Families. Yes, yes. normally they're running running like crazy from from, from DCF. And then you got, so, and that's why I believe we don't have equal protections Mm -hmm. that apply to parents. We have different standards Mm -hmm. of interventions from the department of children, families from parents and families and public servants, because we're Mm. not, if it was us, 
and you even thought there wasn't a bruise. You don't even have to have a, mm-hmm. a bruise. Mm-hmm. They're coming in like SWAT because their mission is to make sure the child is safe. And mm. da da da. We mm. need to see your child mm. immediately. Mm. Uh, if we don't see your child, they can go into a court and get a 96 immediate hour hold where they can come with the police and remove your child. So there is a right now we're going to protect you from the parent. Yet, when you go into a public school system and you see bruises, well, we're going to get back to you. We need to investigate mm. what you know something happened. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Move from the fact that mm-hmm. something happened. Mm-hmm. Err on the side of caution. Mm-hmm. If it didn't happen and you investigate it, by all means. And the problem with this report is it's shadowing great teachers because we have great committed educators. No, when you say shadowing, paraphrase. Meaning is overshadowing, them, oh, okay, right? Because okay. of this report, we're saying school employees. Now, we're looking at all teachers with the side eye, right? Mm -hmm. So you're looking at them like, can I even trust you? Like, why aren't you saying anything? Why aren't you reporting this if you're seeing this? So this is interesting. That's that's a very good good dynamic. And and all the the more reasons for everyone, uh, everyone that's listening here either knows of a school or knows someone that goes to a school. So it's not that we're asking you to come to Hartford or to testify, just to kind of inquire at your your local school or, or school. Yes, want to know. Because when you have the state, the highest attorney in the land, Issuing a report that we are not protecting children in public institutions like uh, schools. And so I think what's happening is we're looking at Article 8 and say, well, you have to go to school. No. And then parents are in a tough position because Mm. we have attendance laws. Mm. Mm. Mm -hmm. We have tardy laws. So Mm -hmm. if you don't send your child, Mm -hmm. if you don't, uh, you know, you could be uh, found the education neglected. So what a tough place to be in. But for me, it's not a place. Mm. You hurt my baby and you don't hold mm-hmm. yourselves accountable. Mm-hmm. My baby doesn't go. Mm-hmm. And see, parents, until we get to that place and fear, think about the immigration pop. Can you imagine mm. already mm. dealing with all this happened across the country with immigration reform? How many kids are now going to fall off the grid? Right. And that's the most dangerous thing, because we're saying if you mm. can't protect me, I have other external factors I deal with. Now I got to wonder if you hurt my child. And then it's interesting in the law that they don't really have to report to parents. You know, I, yeah, they don't have to tell you. They can send you a note in the mail. Do you think you are going to send me a note in the mail that you hurt my baby yesterday, mm-hmm. even though I should be paying attention to my child when he mm-hmm, gets home mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and we mm-hmm. should be talking. Mm-hmm. So the number one tool I will say to parents we all as adults need to get better at communicating with our young people. Yes. We spoke with an attorney Miller out of Danbury. She mm-hmm. said we need to teach our children to become tattletales. Mm. In our community, mm. says, oh, it's called snitching. No, it's called saving your life. Mm-hmm. You get your baby. Move away from that snitching term. Let's get our kids to talk to us so we as adults have to do better. I'm guilty as well. My daughter says, but mom, you're not <laughs> listening to what I am saying. Right? So we all are guilty because we come with this yes. complex I did this when I was young. I don't want Uh you to do it. But they're saying, listen to me. This is my circumstances. And we have to look at what they're saying verbally and what they're not saying. Because we can tell, we Mm. we know the signs for most part, what abuse look like, Mm -hmm. right? When they come withdrawn, when they're not trusting, Mm -hmm. when they're very, everything is just heightened. And so again, we have to remember, we're not in those classrooms. And I think it's going to be, and for those great educators out there, we know when we read the report, it did say that teachers were afraid of retaliation, mm. that teachers mm. are saying mm. they're afraid to go against, you know, their union leaders. They're being very transparent, See, candid. Right. That's something. See, right. That's, that's, that's right. Something. But, but bottom line is ch- the child trusts you. 
Yes. The child yes. doesn't know. The governor doesn't know. The mayor doesn't know. It, they know you. So you can make your classroom a safe haven. You can make sure that every child you interact Boy, with, and if you see something, you must say something. Send it by a dove. Send a pigeon. Send an anonymous. <laughs> I don't care what you have to do. Yes. But you will erode trust. And we all know when trust bonds are broken, they are hard to regain. And we can look at that with the interaction with police mm-hmm. brutality. Mm-hmm. That's a mm-hmm. clear mm-hmm. example of the of great lawmakers out there. They're being overshadowed by the rogue ones. Mm. And that's what we're having in education. Great educators being overshadowed by the the ones that don't value the safety and well-being of children. And, and again, you're listening to the Tom Ficklin show and, and Gwen Samuel is here and Gwen is always, always good to see you. We're talking about Article 8, and we're talking about a report, and how can people access it? How can people find the report? She's, she's taking a, a sip of uh, champagne, or is it? <laughs> In the form of H2O. Yeah, let the record show. I like imagination. That's the record show. The record show is H2O in a nice mug. All right, we'll have to have some evidence there. <laughs> but, but folks can kind of access, I'm, I'm kind of taking a little bit of a, a, a joking break, because this is some beyond serious stuff that, you, that you've discussed. Uh, but it's important for folks to be informed, obviously, and to take action so they can read it, acquire it, find out about it. Yes. How? So, number one, like I said, I will post it on your website. Good. Right? But it is, um, if you're in Hartford, because the the 2017 report did the sampling of 15 Hartford schools. Mm. And mm. so here you have 15 schools. They're saying that some of the abuse is so serious. I'm going to give you an exact mm-hmm. excerpt from the mm-hmm. report. Mm-hmm. Please. It says, over the last three years, the Connecticut, and this report, uh, so I should be clarified, the Office of the Child Advocate did another report in 2015, mm. and it's called a call to action around seclusion and restraints. And one excerpt from there says, over the last three years, the Connecticut State Department of Education reported more than 1,300 incidents incidents of a child being injured during a restraint or seclusion with more than two dozen injuries categorized as serious. I want you to repeat that, please. Over the last three years, the Connecticut State Department of Education reported more than 1,300 incidents incidents of a child being excuse me being injured during a restraint or seclusion with more than two dozen injuries categorized as serious Mm. and this Mm. includes preschoolers Mm. Mm. we have to look these are human beings Mm -hmm. these are Mm -hmm. little Mm -hmm. human Mm -hmm. beings Mm -hmm. and for us to think with the some of the Connecticut is the wealthiest state in the nation. Let's put this in context. With some of the most prestigious universities in on the globe, in the globe. Yes. Yet we cannot figure out how to keep kids safe, how to address dis learning uh, with different abilities, how to address children with emotional um challenges or uh, developmental challenges, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. this is the best 
that the wealthiest state in Connecticut of Connecticut can do, and we are including preschoolers, three who can't even tell you they're still learning their hmm. addresses. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So what is the likely of a three or four year old being able to articulate that two big adults are got to be over a hundred to <laughs> are doing hmm. what to them? Mm-hmm. And some of this seclusion. We have to understand is there have been children put in utility closets. These are all documented cases. So all I'm saying to parents is regardless of the law, we, whether you are an adoptive parent, a foster parent, we have many parents that are grandparents Mm -hmm, raising mm -hmm, children. mm -hmm. We have an obligation to protect our children and children because the question then becomes, if we don't do it, mm. who mm. will? Mm. Mm. Now, that's a mm. question mm-hmm. that we have to answer. If we, as caring, committed adults, don't step up for the children to keep them safe and free from harm, who will? And that includes us parents. Mm-hmm. So this is mm-hmm. not about just public employees. Mm-hmm. If we know in our house we need to do better, then we need to do better. Because you better believe what we don't do, somebody else out there with maybe not good intentions will offer that same love and same safety net. And who knows what will they have to trade to be safe. Mm. And I'm not, especially mm. when we're looking at mm. human trafficking. Mm-hmm. We're looking at kids who are running away from home. Kids, we have an opiates epidemic. Mm-hmm. We're thinking that just what? What is that? That could be because of the abuses. That could be because the adults are not listening. When most people self-medicate, when most people look for love in all the wrong places, they're saying, I'm not receiving something from somewhere and someone else mm-hmm, can do so. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm, we as adults mm-hmm, need to handle our business for mm-hmm, children and it mm-hmm. should be non-negotiable and there should be no excuses. Mm-hmm. You're listening to Gwen, Gwen Samuel. This is the Tom Ficklin Show. This and we're, we're doing the uh, Facebook Live thanks to WNHH and Harry Draws and the station manager and the whole team and we'll have additional information um, on the site when we have about three and a half, four minutes, the, my typical thing when you were here before it, and I want, I'll say it again, this is early March. You're coming back in needless to say, in maybe may give it, given your schedule. Thank you. Uh, and, and we need you, but so I want to give you the last word for, for the last three, three and a half. When I thought about us kind of three and a half minutes, when I thought about us chatting, Oh, about 10 questions came to mind that I wanted to ask you. Uh, I don't want to, is there anything burned on your mind or, or I can go for what the, what the number one question I have. You can go with the number one question. You've been on this. The, uh, you've been a, the words of pioneer innovation. There are people that despise you. There are people that can't stand you. There are people that if Gwen's on one side of the street, I'm going to go to the other side of the street and you keep, keep on, seeking not only being the higher, higher ground when Michelle Obama says go high, you, you were there, you've been there for so long. What, what, what keeps, I mean, it's, I don't want to be a psychologist, but something keeps you uh, alive and vibrant. Is it, do you think, what have you told, what kind of self-talk do you sell, tell yourself to keep, to keep yourself going? And like, this is, this is the age of serious de- depression ap- opportunities in, in terms of what's going on in the social media in DC, et cetera, and the plague, the pandemic, I'll call it. Have, have you thought, I know you've had to think about in your quiet, your most quiet moments, what's kept you to get out of the bed each day and be the Gwen, the Gwen Samuel. Now behind closed doors, you may be whoever you are, but people have seen you in public for roughly 25 years, 
or longer. Being positive, sharing, giving, outspoken, and taking the courageous risk. That's that's what I mean. You you and I have had, have had dialogues, pro and Absolutely. con. So, but to take that courageous risk day in day out, uh, that's something I'm trying to just give the, a public affirmation and acclamation of how much I, I, I respect is is, is 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 not even a term that applies. It's beyond beyond respect. Uh, and and we and the, and I'm saying here I'm addressing the audience. We need Gwen cannot do it alone. This Gwen cannot do it alone. And every day I want the, there are others that yeah. all of us can do our do our part. So we have a habit of ostracizing one another, of 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 categorizing one another, and that's it's not going to work that way. But at any rate, that's I know I haven't asked a specific question, well, but you know, I'm a human being. Yes, right. We're human beings. I don't claim to be perfect. I don't definitely don't claim that. I'm getting older. I have children. My neighbor's children play with our children. I work in the world of education where I do a tis the season to be reading, mm. where I give out thousands of books. I meet families, literally. Some don't even speak English from across the globe, from pre-K to shelters. Because I'm a fan of humanity. Mm. This is about doing the right thing, despite your shortcomings. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right? We can't continue i can only imagine the marthas and the corettas and the sojourner truths and the shirley chisms i can only imagine them having to walk across mm. the street too mm. mm-hmm. i'm sure the day before martin luther king when he sat in that room before he was assassinated i'm sure he could, if he could have turned back the hands of time but he had a dream mm. Right, I do dream. Mm. I do believe in our children. Mm. I do believe I need young people to be able to do reading and math so that when I become a senior citizen, yes. they can handle my Social Security benefits mm-hmm. properly. So mm-hmm. it is a self-interest yes. in this. We keep harping children are our future, but we do everything to kill their future. Mm. We sing the song about dreams, 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 but we are dream killers every day. We put children in harm's way. So now if this was about Gwen and egos, then I'd have left this thing a long time ago because <laughs> I had some opportunities yes. that are probably more stable financial. I could get a little <laughs> nine to five job. Forget all this. Uh-huh. My parents and my, my parents were so concerned for me. Mm. Every day I got family calling me, Gwen, be careful out mm. there. Be mm. careful out there. Mm. And then the question is, well, then if it's not us, then who is it going to yeah. be? That is the question we all have to ask. And if you have a state job and you don't want to make upset conversations, then be a secret Santa. I have many secret Santas. Mm. I mm. couldn't even be here without those secret Santas because they're the one who gives me the information, helps me process it, help me understand it. But my family's like, Gwen, this is, I'm concerned for you. I'm concerned about your safety. Yes. My children need me too. And so I don't know what to do at times. But I cry, I brush off my shoulders, and I'm back in the game because you are not supposed to be doing this to children. Yeah. And so we as a, have to get about our collective business and protect children. You don't have to like me. You don't even have to stop. Ra- I can't stop racism. But you have to do right and treat people as human beings that deserve dignity and respect and to be able to live in a world that is safe. Mm-hmm. That is why I do it because we have an obligation to do it as being a part of the human race and that transcends race. Mm. No more. I can't say any more. This is the 
been a pleasure as always to see you. Thank this you very much. Is that live? Is Thank that you. the picture I'm seeing? You, you're seeing yourself in your your, your broadcast. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Hey, Harry, thanks so much. Tom Ficklin's show. Gwen will be back again. And just thank you as always, dear. Thank you very much. <laughs>